Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. We're in our, our series right now, Reborn, Made in His Image. Reborn, reborn. And I, the title of my message today is Born for War. Born for war. Born for war. Now, I want to give a caveat here, and I hope this makes the podcast what I'm about to say. Half of this message I completely stole from Pastor Leanne, and I do, I unashamedly will not apologize <laughs> because it was so good. It'll have my twist on it a little bit, but it was so good. I'm like, God, why would I rewrite, rewrite what's perfect since she gave it to our at our staff and team meeting. So the majority of you haven't heard this. And for those of you who are at staff and team meeting who are in Awaken You, by the way, you should do Awaken You just for that reason. You get to hear Pastor Jurgen and Pastor Leanne every week and hear them just unfiltered, give you their leadership. That, that, that alone is worth every bit of the time investment that you'd make in Awaken You. So for the Awaken You students that heard this, it's good for you to hear it again, all right? Amen, amen. All right, so Born for War, I wanna start in Matthew 16, 18 through 19. This is Jesus talking to Peter and he's prophesying about what's about to happen in the church. Now, I think it's funny that God, of all the disciples, I think that's why Peter's mentioned so much in the book of John, because it says that John was the disciple that Jesus loved. So I, I, you know, I think he gave himself that name because it only calls him that in John. But anyways, <laughs> uh, but I think why he's, he's such a figure is because all the disciples are like, I can't believe it was Peter. Like of all of us, I can't believe like God picked Peter to kind of be the ringleader of this. Because if you read the, your Bible, which we highly encourage here at Awaken, you, we find a lot of ourselves in Peter. He's, you know, he's a ready, fire, aim kind of guy. He's a guy that puts his foot in his mouth sometimes. And uh, I can just relate to him. Maybe you're perfect, but I'm like, Peter and me, we would have got along. Okay? When he meets Jesus, his first confession to Jesus after Jesus does a miracle for him, he looks at him and he says, I am a really bad dude. You should probably get away from me. And Jesus goes, I like you. I like you. So maybe you're in this house today. Maybe you don't feel like you're, you're, you're qualified. Maybe you don't feel like, oh man, I'm, I'm not a holy, better, you know, good person. Well, maybe, just maybe, Jesus is waiting to get a hold of you. Yeah. Because I find that I find that people that are really extreme one way, when they get the truth, can get really extreme the other way. Maybe the reason the enemy has been working overtime in your life is because he's scared of what if you get a revelation of who God is. Just saying. All right, so he's talking to Peter, and Peter has a, a moment, one of the few moments. By the way, like three chapters later, he says something stupid, and Jesus calls him the devil. So, you know, if you get a moment with God, and then the next day you make a mistake, just know God's still with you. Jesus still stayed with Peter. But he has this moment of clarity and he says, you're the Messiah. You are the son of God. You're the promise that was given. And here's what Peter, or here's what Jesus says to that confession. Matthew 16, 18, 19. And also I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church 
and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Where I wanna start, born for war, born for war. When Jesus announced, I'm gonna build a church, he said, and here's what you need to know about this church. It will prevail against the gates of heaven. Can I explain something to you? Gates are not an offensive weapon. A spear, a bow, a sword, those are attacked. Those are on the offense, right? But a gate is not an offensive weapon. It's a defensive weapon. What does that tell me? Church, we were not meant to sit back and fight off the attacks of the enemy. We were meant to take ground from the enemy. Come on, that's really important. There is a big difference. Our world is a mess right now, a dumpster fire right now, because the church lost its offensive attack going and shifting culture and started to be defensive. We're supposed to knock down the gates, the gates of hell. That's why in the Bible, the only mention of the enemy's weapons are uh, found in Ephesians chapter six, where it says you need the shield of faith to guard from the arrows. You know where it sits on top of the gates of a fortress? archers. But once again, God said, I'll give you a shield, but the shield was meant to dot block the arrows because you are meant to be an advancing church. You are meant to take, knock down gates, knock down gates. Okay. Come on. That's a good word right there. If you're a defensive Christian, if you're always like just watching for the enemy's attacks, be ready. He's going to strike at any moment. Can I encourage you? You know, the best defense is a great offense. Just go get after the territory that God has you to get after. Don't wait for the devil to attack your family. Be aggressive and keep building your family. Keep speaking life into your family. Don't wait for the devil to attack your finances. Be aggressive and be, be obedient and faithful in the giving. There's a way to advance. It says that the generous shall prosper. Don't wait for an attack. Oh, here comes the attack on my finances. No, say, I'm gonna preemptively say, seed in the ground produces more harvest for me. That's good preaching too, so you'll get it. You gotta catch up with me. Okay, made for war. You were born for war. Now I'm talking about your second birth. Your second birth. All mankind, when we're born, we are born into a sin nature. Okay, that's why any philosophy that tries to tell you like, oh, you know, it's just circumstance and, and uh, you know, the atmosphere that causes people to be, if we, just, if we just have coexistence, if we just have love, it all work out. No, no, no. Human nature, we have a bend towards sin. We fell in the garden and we are born in with a sin nature. If you don't believe me, just have kids and wait till they're about three. And all, two. Just wait till they can walk and they figure out that they want one thing more than another thing. And you begin this journey of, yep, inherently this kid is selfish. Nobody taught my kids how to lie. You know, they're bad liars right now. They got cookie all over their face. Did you eat the cookie? No. <laughs> While they're chewing the cookie, you know, they're not good at it, but I didn't have to train them to do that, right? I didn't have to train my kids to think that our house is a WWE cage match and pay-per-view is watching at the moment. I, didn't, I don't train that. In fact, my job is to train that out of them as a parent, okay? So we're born with a sin nature, but when we're born again, we're reinstated into original intent. 
And original intent goes back to Genesis 1 and 2. Come on, if you've done your one-year Bible, I know you've at least read that far. Good job. You made it that far. I know if you've done a one-year Bible, you've made it there. He said to man, he said, I want you to extend the boundaries of the garden. I want you to take dominion, subdue, and rule here on earth. We were made to extend the garden to bring order to chaos. We were made to take wilderness and make it beautiful, all right? So that was original intent. When you are born again, meaning you have put your faith in Jesus, you have said, you have died to your sin because Jesus took it on the cross and you you confess that and say, "I, I believe that you paid the price for my sin and now I believe that you will come into my life. Your Holy Spirit will fill me and you will give me a new nature. Does that mean you automatically the next day, you never mess up again? Of course not. You gotta retrain however many years you've been living that life of sin of habit, right? We have gut level reactions. Come on, that's just true. It's just true. Anyone that says, you know, the day I asked Jesus in my life, I never had a bad thought again. I never struggled again. I'm like, whoa, you've probably been saved for 20 minutes. <laughs> I believe you if you got saved 20 minutes ago. That could be true, but we, we've, we, we work this thing out, okay? So back to born for war. So now you're born again, and now you have a new kingdom that you're called to advance. And you start with advancing it in your own world. Then you advance it in your family's world. Then you start to advance it in your friends and your neighbor's world. Pretty soon, if you keep advancing, God will keep promoting, and he'll keep giving you more opportunities to advance this kingdom that he's put in you. Every one of you has a talent, a gift, a treasure, something God has instinctively made you great at, and God's not impressed with your gift, just so you know. He gave it to you. You're like, look what I did. He's like, yeah, I did that. I actually gave that to you. He's not impressed when I preach a good word, but you know what? He is impressed when I get in my prayer closet and I deal with my character issues. I deal with my holiness, and I say, God, I want you to make me the man I'm supposed to be. That's where God impresses God. That's where God can work with us, but he's advancing us. He's trying to train us how to take this kingdom and advance it in this world. Amen? Amen. All right. First Timothy 6, 12, just getting on there. I'm going to do a couple more verses to remind, to lay the foundation born for war. This is first Timothy 6, 12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of the eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good, a, the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Ephesians 6, verse 6, in addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fire arrows. Let me, let me go into this. Once again, God is using the metaphor of a fight, of a battle, right? And where I want to get today is this fight, this war that you were born to fight, cannot, you cannot win, you cannot take ground, you cannot advance without faith. That is the central key ingredient that God looks for, says that he combs the earth looking for people with faith. And faith is wild because we'd all like, if you were honest, I would like it if how God worked is, God, will you first show me and give me all the resources and then I'll take the step? I would love it if God worked like that. I would be a man of faith and nothing would stop me. God, will you heal them and then I'll pray for their healing? You know, God, will you give me more money and then I'll start tithing? God, but, but that's not how the kingdom works. It's activated by faith. That's why your whole Bible is filled with stories of broken people But God calls them righteous because they stepped out in faith. By faith, Abraham 
By faith, David, by, go read Romans 11, or Hebrews 11. By faith, the heroes of the faith, Hebrews 10 or 11, I'm, I'm, been a minute, but it's definitely in there. The heroes of the faith, it's faith that activates God in your life. That's why it's called a shield. Because whenever you step out in faith, I guarantee you this, the enemy starts to, remember the last time? Remember the last time you prayed for someone? Remember the last time you tried to share about Jesus? Remember, remember when you told your family that you were a Christian? He tries to penetrate. But God says, hold up the shield of faith. Hold up the shield of faith. As you charge the gates, we hold up the shield of faith. Faith is required. Faith is what God is looking for. And you can build that faith in the house of God. You can build that faith by reading your Bible. The faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. That's a big part of what we're trying to do here at church is to increase your faith so that you're ready for the war. The war will not be won without faith. But here's the good news. God has a lot of resources. He, he, there are people that when Jesus said, if you have faith, this can happen. I love one of the miracles. The guy says, I have faith. Please help me with my unbelief as well. That's a great prayer. God, I, wanna, I, wanna, I have a measure of faith, but will you give me more faith? Will you help me grow in my faith? Because there's gates you gotta knock down. But if you don't got that shield of faith, the darts of the enemy are gonna make you retreat. Retreat, retreat, retreat. Okay. Now I'm gonna, last verse on warfare here. 2 Corinthians 10, 4. We use God's mighty weapons, not as worldly weapons, but we knock down strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We use God's mighty weapons. What I want to get to today is that God has given you, the church, weapons to advance. I want to really drive this home because it's super important to me. What God's getting ready to do all across the world is not build a man's ministry, is not build on a man of God, but he's trying to build up the church. The church. It's the church that is his bride. And who's the church? Is it this building? No. This building's an altar. This building is set aside for us to bring people to God. The church is us. And he's looking for a well-equipped church. Now, I want to just go through this quickly. And this is where, as I said, Pastor Leanne did brilliantly. We're going to pray for you in a minute. But there's a story in 2 Chronicles 32 of a king. And if you ever... I've gotten far enough in your one-year Bible where you've gotten to the second and first Chronicles. It gets really repetitive. It's like bad king did this, he was bad king. Bad king did this, he was a bad king, things went worse. Good king, things got better. Bad king again. Good king, bad king, bad king, good king, bad king. And just goes on and on. God's trying to show a pattern. Listen, Christian, do not feel bad for being blessed by obeying God. It's actually something that he needs to do on earth. And don't apologize for saying that this way is a better way. We do it in love. But, but as a church, as a people of God, there are too many right now, there's too many churches, too many, too many churches that are trying to make concessions to the world saying, hey, we have a way, but we're not, don't, if you like a different way, it's all good. 
But if we love people and we know that one way leads to blessing, one way leads to freedom, one way leads to salvation, one way, then we shouldn't apologize for it. But with every ounce of our being, we should find a way in love to break down people's walls and the gates that the enemy has established in their hearts from probably lame religious people. And we've got to penetrate and say, there is a way. So King Hezekiah was a good king in the middle of a long line of bad kings. In chapter 31 of 2 Chronicles, he becomes king. Actually, chapter 30 becomes king. But in 31, he cleans out the temple. Cleans out the temple. There were idols in there. There was garbage in there. It, it looked nothing like God intended. Can I tell you, that's a model of when you first come to the house of God. You give your life to Jesus. Jesus comes in and he begins to clean out the temple because in the new covenant, you are the temple of God. You are. You are where the Holy Spirit dwells. And he wants to clean the temple. Don't resist God when he wants to clean the temple. When you read something in your Bible, I love new Christians that never grew up in church because I know, I know it because they'll come up to me like every week, they're like, did you know that you're not supposed to do this? And, and, and I love it when there's a purity of heart. They're like, I guess I'm gonna stop doing that. They didn't even know. They're my favorite Christians. They're the one, you know, I have so much like, I'm like, just go baby, just keep going. Did you know I shouldn't have said the F-bomb at church yesterday? <laughs> Didn't even know that. I'm like, yeah, it's all good. I'm glad you know now. Cool. I love it. But God begins to clean the temple out. Can I tell you, don't ever be a Christian that resists that. If he's trying to get something out of your life, if he's trying to get a hold of your social media, if he's trying to get a hold of your calendar, if he's trying to get a hold of your sex life, if he's trying to get a hold of your finances, it's not because he wants to hurt you. It's because he wants to heal you. He's cleaning the temple. Too many Christians, by the way, if you've been a Christian a long time and you have not been challenged on some area of your life that God says, I want that, give me that. I want that out of here. Then I wanna challenge you. Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Are you really walking with Jesus? Because if you came to Jesus and he was comfortable with every single thing in your world and didn't ask you to change a single thing, I'm telling you, you, you got some blinders on. And, and he does it so graciously and he does it out of love. But don't hold something back from God when he wants it because he's got something better. He's not, he literally is trying to replace it. Because whatever is in you that isn't of him is a false representation of what you really want. You really want love? He's trying to give you a good love life. You you're holding on to something. It's like a kid, C.S. Lewis says it like this, a kid in the backyard playing with mud and the parents like, we're gonna go to Hawaii. You can make sandcastles. And the kid goes, no, I'm good with my mud. He doesn't know what he doesn't know, but God knows. So just trust him, amen? Let him clean the temple. All right, so first thing he's gonna do is gonna clean the temple because he's getting you ready for the war. It's the war of a lifetime. It's to take territory. It's to take what he has for you, okay? Now we go to verse, or chapter 32, and I'm gonna just jump around here. So it says this in 32, verse one. After Hezekiah had faithfully carried out his work, the king Sennacherib of Assyria invaded Judah. 
Christian. Sometimes bad things happen because you did the wrong thing. You can ask the Holy Spirit, ask a connect leader, ask somebody in your life, hey, this is happening and figure out, was it foolishness or not listening to God that got you in the situation? But I promise you, part of being a Christian is sometimes you do the right thing and then the enemy's gonna come and attack because the enemy can tell I'm losing territory. What he's really scared of is you're gonna start banging down the gates that he set up to keep you ineffective out of the joy, peace, love that God has for you. So he's afraid you're gonna start storming the gates. So he'll attack, he'll mount an attack. And I promise you that in this season, if you wanna live for Jesus and you wanna live by his principles, you will come under attack. It no longer are the days where we're a kind of Christian-based culture where you just kind of get slipped in the slipstream. If you stand up for God's intent with marriage, if you stand up for purity, if you stand up for obeying the word of God, you stand up for prayer, being in school, you're gonna take some heat. But here's what I wanna encourage you. God has equipped you for war. You were born for this. You were born to take territory. You were born to knock down the gates. So the enemy from Assyria comes in and he takes, he, he surrounds Jerusalem. But it says that King Hezekiah was a good man. And I just wanna hit four things real quick that he did. And then we're gonna pray for people. Here we go. First one. Get that to my notes. Verse one, it says in verse three of Second Chronicles 32, he got good counsel. He got counsel. He got wisdom. Verse three, he, he consulted with his officials and military advisors and decided to stop the flow of springs outside of the city. Listen, Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, where there is no counsel, the people fail, but in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. There is safety. Christian, do you have good counsel in your world? I wanna equip you for the war you have. But if all your friends, let me give you an example. If you're married and all your friends are singles, that's not gonna be good counsel. If you're married and all your friends are divorced, that's not good counsel. I'm not saying you can't have some friends, but I'm saying you wanna have some people in your world that have the fruit you wanna have. So when you're not sure what to do, you ask for counsel. I remember when I was a young man, my first year at Awaken, I had been married for a year and a half and me and my wife got in like our first big fight big fight. And I had this brilliant idea because I'd been married a year and a half. So I knew everything. And I was like, you know what I should do? I'm going to not talk to her until she says, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'll do the, I'll do like, like the basics, but I'm, I'm not, I'm going to withhold all love until she says, sorry. And after three days of no break and it getting worse and worse, a good friend grabbed me and said, bro, you need to call our young adult pastor at the time, you need to talk to him because he saw it. He just said, hey, I might not be the right guy, but you need to talk to someone. So I had coffee with him and he, he looked at me and I told him my plan. I'm like, dude, I just got to hold the line. I'm leading my family and I'm going to teach her what's right. And if I withhold long enough, I will win this. And he looked at me and lovingly, he said, that's a great idea if you want to get divorced. You're the man of the house. And if you're too much of a wuss to be the emotional punching bag to let her release why she's frustrated, you will not make it in a marriage. 
that was not nice. But it was wise. Thank God I'm still married. Come on, good counsel. Don't be afraid of good counsel. Point number two. It says in verse five, then Hezekiah worked hard at repairing all the broken section of the wall, erecting towers, constructing a second wall outside of the first, and also reinforced the supporting terraces. So he does a lot of work on the, on the thing, but then check this out. In the city of David and manufactured large numbers of weapons and shields. He equipped the people with weapons. Come on, here at Awaken, our job is to equip you to have the weapons God has given you and learn how to yield them and wield them and use them. Saul was a bad king. And one of the things you'll read in the Bible about Saul and in that day that only Saul and Jonathan had a sword and a shield. They were the only two people. He didn't equip his people. What, what, what we do at Awaken, what you're called to do at Awaken is learn first that you're equipped, learn how to use the weapons God given you, but then God is gonna ask you here at Awaken to equip other people. That is our job as connect leaders, as team leaders. We are here to equip people with the weapons. We're not here to fight their fight for them. We're here to equip. Listen, come up here and get prayer, but know that you can pray too. That's why we have men's and women's prayer. That's why we have emerge and cherish because there's some fights that only men are gonna fight and there's some women fight that only women are gonna fight. And so we'll divide you up for a while and we'll prepare you to fight the fight you've gotta fight. <laughs> cherish, don't miss it, ladies. Men's, men's prayer. God's not looking for passive wussy praise. Prayer. He's looking for somebody who will enforce what he said because the Bible says that God looks after his word to enforce it. So as a Christian, we don't pray, God, if it's your will, would you just know? If it's not a look, if it doesn't look like heaven, it's not his will. And so your job as a Christian is to grab the scripture and walk up to that situation and say, this is what the word of God says. He's gonna walk after it. So until you change, I will keep shoving this down your throat situation because it'll shift. Pray with authority. Okay, here we go. Encourage people. Encourage people. Verse six. So this is what Hezekiah did to get ready for the battle. He appointed the military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square of the city gate. And Hezekiah encouraged them by saying, be courageous. That's what the next, word, next part says. Be courageous. Listen, you need people to encourage you in this journey. You need people. That's why we have connect groups. You're like, wow, why is he talking about all the church things? Because they're intentional. Because if you do them, they'll work. They'll prepare you for the battle and you'll win the war that God has for you and you'll take ground and you won't end up divorced and your kids will love the Lord and you'll see the blessing of God in your life and your neighborhood will be transformed and your work will be transformed and the gospel will advance and we'll stop having to fight wacky fights here in Utah because Utah will be transformed because the church is rising up. We are meant to knock down gates, not defend what's behind us. Notice in the armor of God, go read Ephesians 6, nothing for your backside. Why? Because God expects you to be charging forward with the gospel. There's nothing to protect your backside. What does that mean? There's no retreat in the kingdom. I took ground with Jesus, and from here on out, I never take a step back, and I keep pushing. Okay, so we encourage people. Quick story on that. I had pretty much, I was still going to church, still doing the church thing, but I had pretty much 
laid down the idea that I, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna do business. I'm not called to ministry anymore. This was years ago. But I was on a team, a team called DNA. And I had some leaders named Scott and Ginny Husserl. And at the perfect time, they gave me a, a word with a, with a cool art piece. It's really cool. And I sat in my car and I probably cried for two hours because it was just the right time where I needed to hear from God. And it encouraged me. It was the beginning of just a reactivation. Reactivation. Thank you, Scott and Jenny. I love you guys. It's good. It's good. That's why I thank you, Mama Husserl. <laughs> Um, but we encourage people. That's why every, every service we have ministry team up here. If you're not feeling it, come up and get prayer. That's why we have connect groups. So you're in community with people and they notice if you're missing or you're gone. And that's why we prophesy over people. Okay, last thing. And then we're gonna lead in. We're gonna pray for people right now. Point number four, what did Hezekiah do? We're gonna go to verse 20. Verse 20 of uh, 32. You guys got it? That's 19, one more, there we go. Then King, King Hezaziah and the prophet Isaiah, some of, some of Amaz, cried out in prayer to the God in heaven. This is where I wanna land the plane. Christian, the most lethal weapon you have in your arsenal is prayer. I'm telling you, a prayer attached to faith Will shift things. That's why every single service we do the book of miracles, we pray for miracles. It's prayer. God wants a church that knows how to pray. If people ask me, what's the most important thing we do on the week for the Christians in the room? I would say it's men's and women's prayer. I would say that. I know it's early dudes, but it is the most important thing. Because when you need God to show up, that prayer life is everything. Now I'm gonna pray for people, but I wanna to go to the next verse because after King Hezekiah did all the things that I talked about, there was encouragement, there was good counsel, there was equipping, armoring up, getting the armor. Check out what God does. So they're all ready for a big fight, but check this out. And the Lord sent an angel. Just pause right there. Not an army of angels. So all of Israel's freaking out. Man, King Assyria. And he talked a lot of game. He's like, no one is ever defeating me. I'm undefeated. He was like, you remember movie 300? He was like Xerxes. Like, I'm a king god. No one has ever beaten me. They prayed. And God's like, you know what? We're gonna send one angel. I have armies of them, but all that's necessary is one. And I'll paraphrase what happens next. That angel whoops the entire army's butt. The Israelites don't have to even lift the sword, even though they're ready. He whoops that whole army's butt. He gets whooped so bad, he goes home and his kids kill him because they're embarrassed of him. I know that sounds kind of harsh, but if you read how much he was taunting God, don't do that. Anyways. <laughs> Christian, where I want to land the plane right now is if you're facing a situation, I want you to realize that it took one angel in God's mass army of angels, 
one angel delivered an entire nation that day. And that same God that did that for Israel is your God. And I want you to shift. I want us to get a paradigm shift and recognize that what we're facing with the situation we're facing, that God has equipped you to be the church, to be the one that knocks down the gates of hell, to shift and say, God, I need deliverance from this thing or I need protection from this thing, to shift your faith level and go, God, I think the devil's gonna need some, some protection for what I'm about to see you do. By the way, don't pray, that's a joke. But I'm just saying, shift your perspective. As a Christian, God is fighting for you. Our weapons aren't carnal. You say, well, pastor, uh, the thing I'm facing, like, you know, the doctor said this. My bank account says this. But our weapons aren't carnal. They're heavenly. It's a superior kingdom. Stand to your feet right now. Let's get the worship team up here. Jeremiah 1:12. Then the Lord said to me, "You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word." God's getting ready to do a move here at Awaken. He's getting ready to do a move here in Salt Lake City. He's getting ready to raise up his church around the world. Why? Because he's always been doing that. Because that's what he does. And you know what's so cool is the advancement of his church is you, is you. Taking territory, knocking the devil down. I felt a lot of weight on this word because as the pastor of our church, I know some people are just, you're, you're, you're in a fight right now or you feel like you know, you're surrounded and things are coming down and I wanna, I wanna get that faith in you. You were made to knock down the gates of hell. You are his church. It's not the building. It's not the man of God. It is the entirety of this. It is the followers of Jesus, the believers of Jesus. The Bible says that we will see signs, wonders, and miracles. And, 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 and as a church, as people raise up and get faith in their hearts, if we get faith in our hearts, we're going to begin to see God move in your world. So close your eyes for a minute. What are you facing right now? What are you facing right now? Where's the enemy taunting, saying, you've never won this battle. You've never seen breakthrough here. There's no way you're gonna take this territory back from me. The gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Holy Spirit, right now, I declare faith rising up in your church, faith rising up in your kids, faith rising up in us, Lord. May we be a church, may we be a people that are not passive, that are not, that are not afraid of the enemy, but will we hold up that shield of faith and charge the gate, charge the thing that we are meant to go through right now. For some people right now, you're facing a bad doctor's diagnosis. You're facing the doctors just said, this is 
permanent. You will always have to take this medication. You will always have to deal with this. You always have to manage it. I hate that word. New normal. I hate that word. Let's enforce the word of God to that situation. By his stripes, you are healed. Isaiah 53, 5 says that he was crushed for your sins. He was um, beaten for your healing, but he was also, I forget which word he uses, but he was part of what he, he was beaten for your healing, but he was broken, there we go, for your wholeness. You don't have to live with mental illness. You don't have to live with anxiety disorder. You don't have to live with depression. You don't have to live with bipolar. Come on, let's enforce the word of God. God says that he is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. And all throughout the Bible, he says, when you apply my principles, you will see the blessing of God. Are you facing financial struggle? Tonight, I wanna break that off of you. Do not wear, do not come into agreement with the lie of the enemy that you will always struggle financially, that you will always be broke. The amount of money you have does not dictate your holiness or the lack thereof. But you don't have to come into agreement. The Bible says that we should be ready to give for all good works. I want a church that when a good work, we see an opportunity to do a good work, we see an opportunity of someone that can't go to Cherish this year because they can't afford a plane ticket, you go, you know what? I can, no problem. I'm equipped for the good works. Come on, thank you, Jesus. All right, I'm gonna bring our ministry team up in one second. Don't come up yet, guys, but get ready. Real quick, I wanna pray over a few specific things. If you need a financial breakthrough, if you need God to show up in your finances, by the way, I don't know why anyone would raise their hand to this one, but it's your choice. But if you, want to, if you need God to show up specifically in the finance area, I want you to raise your hand. I'm gonna pray for you right now. Come on, come in agreement with this word. God, I thank you that you are our heavenly provider. And I declare right now, that poverty is broken off of lives. God, that lack is broken off of lives. Lord, you came to give life and life abundantly. The world of the generous shall get larger and larger. The world of the generous shall prosper. You give seed to the sower. So God, right now I declare, you just said that it, when we are tithers, that you are opening the windows of heaven. So in the name of Jesus, I declare financial breakthrough over your kids, that we would be equipped to give to every good work of the gospel, every good work, Lord. Lord, that when people are in lack, we would be able to provide, Lord, like the good Samaritan who said, hey, anything he needs, cover it, and if not, put on my tab. And he was known for good, he was good for it because your blessing was on. So I declare the blessing of God. I break the bondage of poverty. I break poverty mindsets, Lord. You are our provider, and we will stand on your word in Jesus' name. Give God an amen if that's you. Okay. Now, understand, I'm just enforcing the word of God. But Christian, you're equipped to stand on that word of God. Peter walked on water because Jesus said, get out of the boat. And because Jesus said it, he could do it. So now I want to pray for healing. If you need a physical healing in your body, and I want to include in that anxiety and depression, especially if you have to take medication for it, even if you don't, but, but also physical healing bad doctor's report, a chronic illness, uh, autoimmune disease, 
felt really specifically God was gonna heal autoimmune disease. But if you need a healing in your body, put your hand in the air right now. We're gonna pray for you. And if you're by someone who doesn't have a hand, or if you don't have your hand up and you're by someone, go ahead and put a hand on them. God, I thank you that you are the healer, that by your stripes we are healed. Right now, I declare in the name of Jesus, diabetes, you will fall and bow your name. You will dissipate and you will not conquer. I declare autoimmune disease, you, you will bend a knee to Jesus. He paid the price for our healing. He was beaten so we would be healed. He took that price and so we hold up the receipt. And right now in the name of Jesus, we declare healing over bodies, healing over minds, depression. You get out of this house. You are not welcome in a child of God. The Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace reigns in their heart. You have given them a sound mind, anxiety. I command you to flee right now. Do not come back. Migraines, if you show with migraines, God is gonna heal migraines off of people. God, we declare those migraines do not come back in the name of Jesus. We declare ligaments being healed, legs being healed, arthritis, arthritis is being healed right now in the name of Jesus. And any other bad doctor's report, you said, by your stripes we're healed, and you didn't specify which thing needed to be healed. So it doesn't matter, it doesn't, you didn't say, well, not cancer, well, not autoimmune disease. So God, we declare the healing power of Jesus over your kids in Jesus' name, and the church said, amen, amen. All right, we're gonna bring our ministry team up now. So ministry team, come up. Church, I, it's hard when, you feel like, God, let me, let us get this. What I want you to get is that, you know, churches will cry out, God, send revival. Revive all. What revival is, is Christians getting their identity right. That's what revival is. And then sharing their testimony. See, God wants you to have miracles so you have something to talk about, something to bring. You know why Jesus, all of a sudden, he started out small, but next thing you know, he's got to feed 5,000 people. You know why he had to feed 5,000 people? Because even though he told people, hey, don't say anything that I did this, they couldn't help it. They said, you know what Jesus did for me? You know what Jesus did the other day? And all of a sudden, people said, wait a minute, you were crippled, I'm crippled, I got to find this Jesus guy. You were blind, I'm blind. I need to find this Jesus guy. Christian, what I'm telling you is that when he shows up in your world and he does the miracle, it's because he wants to, this world to see his glory and he chooses to do it through people. Stop disqualifying yourself from the goodness of God. He needs people to land on, to heal, to restore. And then he wants you to share it. So if you need prayer for anything, I want you to come up here. Once you've gotten prayer, you're dismissed. Go get your kids. I'm gonna close down in prayer and service and then, but don't leave here until you get prayer, until you feel the power of God. Some of you, you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and it's time for you to come up and get the power of God, to get your prayer language, to be able to pray in tongues like the Bible says we can. So God, I thank you for this church. I thank you that you're starting a move of God in the children of God and that it starts with your intention your desire. They were born for war. What's the war? To tear down the walls of hell, the hell that people are trapped in. We were called to tear down it. And we do that by the power of the blood and the word of our testimony. And so tonight we declare testimonies are breaking out. People are
are getting healed, Lord. People are getting set free in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.